Towards the beginning of the story, Alice in Wonderland, you run into that iconic scene where Alice speaks to a Cheshire cat to find directions. She says, she's lost in the woods, and she says to him, which way should I go from here? And he says, well, that all depends on where you want to end up. And she says, well, it doesn't really matter. And he says, well, then it doesn't really matter which path you take. She said, well, as long as I end up somewhere. And he said, well, if you walk long enough and far enough, you'll surely do that. You know, I think a lot of people think of the category of their beliefs more in terms of just going somewhere like finding a restaurant. Where do you want to go tonight? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Well, let's just drive over that way towards where the restaurants are, and then we'll figure it out on the way. But imagine Alice there uh, with a cat and needing to get to the hospital. Then she's going to need some specific directions. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount all fall, and at the end of it, he talks about the way, the truth, and the life by contrasting two ways, two truths, two lives. He talks about the narrow gate and the wide gate. He talks about two different prophets. And here in this passage we're about to look at, he, he talks about two different builders, two different houses, two different kinds of foundations. In order to show us that what you believe, what's at the center of what you believe, that everybody believes something, and, and what is at the center of you really does matter. It's more like finding directions to the hospital in an urgent situation than it is trying to figure out where to go for dinner. In other words, he's talking about the whole of you, which means your will, which means authority. What's at the center of you? What is the authority at the center of you versus what's at the peripheral of you, the periphery? Do we just have beliefs that we agree with or do they really found us? Do they define our direction, define our identity, define everything about our life, the way and the truth and the life? See, when it comes to what we believe, it's about a way, about a truth, about a life, about a foundation. From the Word of God, Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 21, hear God's Word this morning. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do all kinds of many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall 
because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And then when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God bless this word not only to our minds to agree with it or to our hearts to be moved by it, but with a will to respond to it with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was on the mission trip a few weeks ago, I was outside of the conference center where we were gathering with Iranian refugees, and we were on sort of a break, and a German man came up to me and wanted to talk to me about uh, Christianity. He knew that I was one of the leaders of the conference and came to me. He was not an Iranian. He was a German and had just understood what we were about. And he wanted to debate me. He wanted to, to debate me about core beliefs. And he did not, he did not speak English very well. And my German was nicht so gut. So we used an app to talk to each other. A translation app. And it was, it was kind of comical just handing this phone back and forth because he really wanted me to know that what, that all the world needed to be a better place was tolerance. Tolerance. I said, well, let me agree with you. I think tolerance is, is really important that socially and interpersonally that we respect that there are differences and that we allow each other to be in different places. But tolerance as a core belief is not enough to found your life on. Uh, he, he was very impatient with me. He didn't like that. He kept pressing me. He kept saying, no, no, tolerance is all we need. Tolerance is what we need. Tolerance is the thing. Tolerance is where we are. Tolerance is, is what's going to make the world a peaceful and better place. And he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I started to think, is this your idea of tolerance? I came very close to asking him, is this what tolerance looks like? But I thought that might be a little too snarky. Did you get the point? See, even the most generous idea that human beings can come up with, if we're still in control of it, if that's what identifies us, if that's what's at the center of us, who is in control? What will centers your life? Your will. The individual's will. And so what we end up doing then is thinking of faith and belief as just something that a, a person like me or like you organizes as one of the many things 
perhaps on the periphery of life, rather than being central to life. What Jesus is saying is that I want you to be the kind of person that you want to spend life with in eternity. You know, think back across this last week. How did you get along with you? Were you tolerant of yourself all week? Jesus is saying, even if tolerance is at the center, it really comes down to how much I I think about it and know about it at the time. How much I feel motivated by it at the time. How much I do at the time. Centered on me. And Jesus is saying, I want more for you than that. In order to have a change of heart, your will, not just your thoughts, not just your feelings, not just your deeds, your very will needs to shift. You need to step away from your own will and step out in trust onto God's will. And this is what Jesus is talking about with these two different images of two different houses. So let's take a look at at, at how to walk with God. Jesus is saying to these disciples and teaching him, come walk with me. What does that walk look like? What the first two steps, what do the first two steps of walking with Jesus look like? Not just initially, not just an initial profession of faith, but today again and tomorrow again. What does it look like to walk with God? Well, two steps. Step away from your will. Step off of it. Step off of it to where your weight is no longer on your will. And step on to, in trust, step on to the will of God. First, step away from your will. Step off of it. Shift from your will to God's will. Shift off of your will. This is what he's saying in verse 24. He's saying that the one who is thoughtful, the one who recognizes the the core need, shifts off of his will, her will. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? If the image is of a house being founded on the rock, how do you found the house on the rock instead of the sand? Well, you have to dig. You have to dig. Dig, dig, dig. Dig down. You know, he's saying you have to dig. There's, there's uh, the tallest building in the world. is called the, the Burj Khalifa. Some of you have probably seen this. Been to United Arab Emirates, where, it's, where it is, located in Dubai. It's the iconic, you know, structure that looks like that. It just, it just is head and shoulders over all of the other buildings in the skyline. Adrian Smith is the one who had this idea of building the tallest building in the world to go higher than any building had ever been built. And (laughs) I I looked this up. The, the The amount of sand that they had to dig out was 330,000 square meters of sand to remove, to get down to the bedrock. Now, what's that like? That's like like taking, that's like going down two or three football fields underneath our sanctuary just to hit the bedrock. In other words, listen to this. The way up is down. It's true for the building. It's true for your life. 
The way up is down. It's to look at all of those second things, all of God's good gifts upon which we try to found our lives. Invest meaning as though those, that sand were ultimate. Even investing meaning in our own sensibilities and our own will. <laughs> Don't you ever change your mind though? Didn't, didn't when, when you were like 10 years younger, is there anything you thought 10 years ago that you think is crazy now? Has your mind ever changed about anything? In other words, Jesus is saying this is the nature of, of human nature, of shifting sand. And neither our best ideas nor anything that you could count of as being a good gift of God is solid enough for the foundation of our lives. And, and what I'm suggesting to you is that this isn't a one-time thing. This is a, it's a new day thing. <laughs> Whose will is at the center? What is my foundation? Am I really doing the work? Am I digging down and recognizing what's really identifying me and what's really grounding my life? There's this kind of scary part of this passage that we read, the, the beginning of it. It says, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And uh, didn't, didn't we do all kinds of good deeds in your name? Now, recognize what's happening here is, here is somebody who, who sees that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is an authority. They're in agreement Mentally, they're in agreement. They're saying, yes, I know who you are. Not only that, it says, Lord, Lord, and it says, Lord, Lord, twice. Now, what does that mean? What's the significance of this? Well, this is in Greek originally, but this is a Semitic culture. And if you look back in the Old Testament, anytime a name is doubled, it's emotional. Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, says David after his death. And so in order to, to get at something that's emotional, in order to, to, to drive the point that says, this is somebody who not only recognizes mentally that Jesus is Lord, has this sense of feeling, emotion, not just heart. Now, in, heart in, in, in the Bible represents the whole of you, the will, not just the feelings of it. A lot of times we think of it as, you know, just the feelings. But here we're talking about when you say the heart, it's about the will. But not only that, this, this is somebody, Jesus is saying, this is somebody who not only uh, has mental assent or agreement that Jesus is Lord, feels moved by who Jesus is, but also is obedient and does things, does good deeds, but doesn't have the heart, doesn't have the whole, that isn't obedient to Jesus at the core will. Still is saying, hey, I'm, I'm standing over my life. I'm standing over and I'm saying Christianity is, 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 and grace, the grace of God is a great idea. I'm moved by it even. And I am responsive to it in terms of the good things that I try to do. This is who Jesus is describing. But he's saying, the change of heart is a change of will to shift off of your will. It's a little like this. Imagine a little boy who uh, won't eat his peas, 
but once dessert. And mom says, you got to eat your peas before you have dessert. And he says, I'm not going to eat my peas, but I want dessert. And he leaves the peas. The peas get cold, and he's sitting there at the dinner table, and he's just sitting there, and peas get colder and colder and colder. And finally, he just is very upset, gets up and starts doing the dishes. All right, gets up and says, oh, boy, the peas are still on the table. Goes, and he washes up. Goes to his mom, just says, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, mom, that I didn't eat my peas. Um, uh, you know, I did all the dishes. I, I, it's a, it, it really is a good idea that I eat peas because I know my body needs them so I can be strong like Popeye or whatever. You know, yeah, so here's a boy who agrees, is moved by his own disobedience, and even helped out, cleaned up the kitchen. And mom says, I see your peas are still on the plate. Do you see that? you see the difference? It's the will. You know, we can do all kinds of things to convince ourselves that a life centered on self alone, that we can manage it, that we can do better, that we can improve. If we just know more, if we just feel more, if we just do more, then then we will improve. Then the world will be a better place. Then, then I'll be a person I can live with throughout eternity. And Jesus is saying, no, you need a new core, a new identity, a new center. And it begins with your will. The way up is down. The way up is down. We need to first step off of the changing sands of our feelings and our thoughts and even our attempts at good intentions. And second, we need to step on to a new will. We need to know what are first things versus second things. Who, whose will is represented in our actions, in our thoughts, and in our feelings? Head, hands, and hearts. Whose will is represented? Am I orienting life around first things or second things? Am I orienting life around God's will you know, look back at the beginning of this, this uh, passage. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's verse 21. Where's the authority? Anytime you disagree with somebody, anytime somebody disagrees with you and you think, that's, no, I don't agree with that. Don't you want to say, where did you get that? right? Isn't that the logical next? Where did you get that? Where are you getting this? Where are you getting your facts? Like somebody said, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts, right? Where are you getting this? Isn't that the logical next step? In other words, what is your authority? And in this case, when it comes to the whole of your life, when it comes to a change of heart, what Jesus is saying is, it's personal. It's not just about having an authority, but look at the first part of that word, authority. At the end of this, this uh, Sermon on the Mount, it says that Jesus taught as one who had authority. In other words, he taught as though he were the author. The author. Verse 25 talks about changing circumstances, difficult circumstances. That when you're when your life is founded upon the authority, when your will is oriented to God's will, when God's will is your authority, personal authority, 
Head, heart, and hand, whole. Then, when the rains come, in other words, he's not saying that following Jesus and doing all the right things and feeling all the right things and thinking all the right thoughts, that you will be protected from difficulty. He's saying you will be protected in difficulty. Not from it, but in it. Jesus is trying to create a picture of the inside of you, of the heart of you, of the whole of you. It's very difficult to paint a picture like that, isn't it? So he's using this contrast between somebody who builds, not just two houses, but a builder who digs down, a builder who finds the bedrock, a builder who grounds the building that's reaching to the clouds in the earth, in the, in the solid ground, underneath all of second things in life, all, underneath all of God's good gifts, is your life grounded in the will of God? Is the whole of you identified with God and not just a great idea? <laughs> Even the best ideas about Christianity still on the periphery of you. You know, when, when I think of this, I, suddenly I, I think of myself in your position and I think, well, okay, so if I'm shifting my weight off of my will and onto God's will, isn't that a good deed? Isn't that just like doing something that, that isn't that the one thing that I do that makes me a good person, somebody that I can live with in eternity? Isn't that the one thing that I do? Is, is that what I contribute, in other words, to my salvation? No. Let me give you a different picture of this than, than just the foundation here. Let me give you a picture of me on the top of a 45-foot tall pole, like a, like a light pole, like a telephone pole, sticking up out of the ground, at a Young Life camp, ropes course, called Sharp Top Cove. And I was standing there on the top of this, 45 feet in the air. And w when you go up, you know, you're strapped in and, and uh, you know, you've got a, a stick in your hand. And, and the idea of holding the stick is you're supposed to climb up this pole, get up on the top of it, and there's a bell out there just in the distance so that you have to mean it when you jump off that pole, hit the bell, and then... You know, and then they catch you with, with the rope, hopefully. And so I'm on top of this pole, and, you know, it's wiggling just ever so slightly, like half an inch, maybe a centimeter, and it feels like the thing is crashing. It's about to crash. You know, it's like, whoa, even though it's wiggling just a little bit. Now, my head is saying, jump far enough, far enough to hit the bell. But everything else in my body is screaming, you're about to die. And down here is this 17 and a half year old kid that's holding my life in his hands because he has the other end of the rope. And he's saying, come on, dad, you can do it. Just because I hesitated for a second. And I thought, well, if this rope holds me, then... We're going to have a little talk face to face. <laughs> and I stepped off, and I hit the bell, and then I just kind of floated down to the ground. Did, did I, do I get credit for jumping off that pole? What if I didn't have a rope? What if I didn't have a rope? Is it to my credit that I would jump off a 
foot pole without a rope. No, jumping off the pole is the way down. Jumping off the pole is saying, I'm, I'm ready to go all the way down. I'm ready to trust 100% with the whole of me, heart, soul, mind, and strength, head, heart, and hand. I'm stepping out. I have nothing to offer. And if this rope doesn't hold, I'm dead. That's not to my credit. That's just saying, I've dug down. I've seen. I don't have anything to offer. I am stepping out from my will to another will. This is what it looks like to surrender the will. Is the author of your authority, is the author on the periphery of life or at the center of life? Let me ask you this. I want you to think about this into the next week. What reigns? What R-A-I-N-S? What, what reigning in your life? What reigns? are pouring down and beginning to show you that some of what you're building your life upon will not hold. What place in life, what, what sand, what second things do you need to examine in terms of the identity that you have placed in them? How do you need to step off and to step on? Let's pray together. Holy God, as we come before you and to this table, we remember that the whole of us, like Romans 12 says, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We would bring all of us to the table. And so bless us, we pray, as we come. In Jesus' name, amen.